Welcome to the unexplainable, unpredictable podcast extravaganza. The most amazing podcast in the world. Welcome back to the unexplainable, unpredictable podcast extravaganza. I'm your host, Mr. Anderson. This is part two of Pick Your Flavor of Christianity. From 1939 to 1945, the world was at war. The Industrial Revolution came into its own, and America became the world's number one superpower. America went from neutral country into the number one world player. As America's power grew, so did the population. In turn, the church attendance exploded. Almost half of the population were attending churches. According to the author Robert Elwood, on a typical Sunday morning in the period from 1955 to 1958, almost half of all Americans were attending church, the highest percentage in U.S. history during the 1950s nationwide church membership grew at a faster rate than the population. From 57% of the U.S. population in 1950 to 63.3% in 1960. Some make the connection with the increase in attendance with McCarthyism, the Korean War, and the American Dream. It's not a far reach to say that this upward trend in church attendance was caused by American propaganda that was influencing the masses as to what a true American looked like. A father at work. A mom at home with her kids preparing the meal. The kids in school and drinking their milk and going to church. This was America. Take that, communism. In the 1950s, we also get the words under God added to the Pledge of Allegiance and the phrase, in God we trust. This was a shock to me. Honestly, I thought they were always there. But as I started to kind of do research for this podcast in this episode, I was really shocked to understand that this was not added till the 1950s. But the way we act today is it is gospel. Like it's always been there. It's been there since the Constitution was there. And in fact, it's not. And that to me is crazy. 
writer Kevin Cruz states in his book, One Nation Under God, as this new religious revival is sweeping the country and taking on new political tones, the phrase One Nation Under God seizes the national imagination. It starts with a proposal from the Knights of Columbus, the Catholic lay organization, to add the phrase under God to the Pledge of Allegiance. Their initial campaign doesn't go anywhere, but once Eisenhower's own pastor endorses it, it catches fire. Cruz's book investigates how the idea of America as a Christian nation was promoted in the 1930s and 40s when industrialists and business lobbies chafing against the government regulations of the New Deal recruited and funded conservative clergy to preach faith, freedom, and free enterprise. He says this conflation of Christianity and capitalism moved to center stage in the 1950s under the Eisenhower watch. This is quoting Cruz again. According to the conventional narrative, the Soviet Union discovered the bomb and the United States rediscovered God. In order to push back against the atheistic communism of the Soviet Union, Americans rebalanced a religious identity. That plays a small role here, but there's an actual longer arc. The Cold War consensus actually helps to paper over a couple of decades of international political struggles. If you look at the architects of this language, the state power that they're worried about most is not the Soviet regime, but rather the New Deal and Fair Deal administrations in Washington, D.C. In reaction to more regulations and the public view, the big business is bad. To change this image, they needed someone that people trusted, and at that time, it was a pastor. They came up with a honestly smart plan. I mean, this was genius by these big businessmen. They looked at the polls and they saw who's the most trusted person in America right now, and it's pastors. So they found them one. The first pastor they crossed over with was a man named Reverend James Fifield, who in all respects is our first prosperity preacher. Fifield was the head of a group called Spiritual Mobilization. This was an anti-communist movement to contrast the progressive movement many people at that time of the New Deal saw was an overreaching government. James Fifield believed that he was a libertarian. He believed Christianity was the answer to combat the rising tide of progressive thinking. The 1950s were a smattering of political, social, and financial change. Mr. Fifield was the pastor of the first congregational church in Los Angeles. He was very much so anti-establishment and fundamental Christianity. 
his church included some of the richest people, not just in America, but in the entire world. He loved it and he knew it and he flaunted it. He was all about quote unquote freedom. This was also apparent in his teachings. He he believed that the Bible and theology was like a fish that you had to debone, then eat the meat. You pick and choose what works because that is his freedom. He lived a life of luxury, though. He lived in a massive house. You could even call it a mansion. He had his own personal butler, and he had designs to make a Christian theme park. Sounds all too similar to prosperity preachers of today. We can draw some lines to see our models of mega church explosions coming all the way back from there. This freedom under God movement that he would call the spiritual mobilization took to the streets, churches, and stadiums to push back against the evil, overpowering government being influenced by communism and the influx of communism across the globe. At the end of World War II, the Soviets occupied North Korea and the Americans were in the South. On March 12, 1947, President Harry Truman urged a joint session of Congress to support his doctrine, which calls for U.S. financial and military aid to Greece and Turkey in an effort to protect the countries from Soviet domination. There were communist revolutions going all over the world. And that was surprising to me as well. I didn't realize how widespread it was. The fact that they were having uh, basically civil wars in Turkey and Greece and all over the uh, Central and Southern Asia, you could really see the far reach of what communism was doing. And it was bringing in such fear and worry into the American people and to people around the world. America believed that these revolutions were being backed by Stalin and the USSR. Following another civil war, China's Communist Party leader Mao Zedong declares his creation of the People's Republic of China. In 1950, America entered into the Korean War. A fear is sweeping across the globe of yet another massive war. So at this point, you can imagine that everywhere people are thinking we're about to go into World War III. And a whole generation that had just come back from war is like, man, I'm going to have to go back and fight again. So what seemed to be a new move of God, I think in reality was a naive pastor who was influenced by millionaires to do things that he didn't really know what was going on. I think he really thought God is using me and he's giving me these people and all this influence. But the truth was they were pulling his strings and really telling him what to say and how they wanted to manipulate people in order for their business to get past the restraints of government. With the blessing of President Dwight D. Eisenhower, this creates a enmeshment point for church and statehood. And this becomes a very dangerous point 
in American culture and history. I don't believe Eisenhower's goal was to put these two together and create a state religion. I think he was doing it because there was the Red Scare going on and he was trying to do something to bring together Americans to unite them. But it also could be the evidence of why in the 50s we have an explosion of church attendance is that people are actually being more patriotic as opposed to actually being religious and spiritual. Fifield's movement did end within just a few short years. It didn't end there. It really had a massive impact on politics and religion. And we see a huge enmeshment point when church and state started working together and one is using the other and vice versa. The thing is, these two things are not the same and they do not mix and can become very dangerous when we put them together. There is a reason our country's founders had the separation of church and state. When religion and statehood become one, acts of unspeakable things could be done with a justification that God is on your side. For example, the Spanish Inquisition, the Crusades. Another would be the Communist Revolution in Russia. This is where an ideology becomes a religion. It becomes an idol that all things must be given up for. The pursuit of this superficial and utopian ideal, what happens though is this replaces true spirituality. This idea of if we can do all these things to make everybody's life perfect and better, we can do that in our own works and we neglect the spiritual sides of who we are as human beings. The Tower of Babel is a great example of this. Read that story in that context. What if this was happening then? They are building something to reach God and that there is a man that is pushing them, driving them to a utopia And if they can just reach him, they can be like him. And who knows, they may be better than him. And I believe we're seeing this in our current megachurch culture. We are seeing not just the creation of buildings and groups of people coming together, but you're seeing an ideal being pursued by thousands of people And it's a superficial ideal. And they are neglecting the spiritual. They are doing what feels good and they're not pushing against what can make them evil or bad. And they're not confronting that in a healthy way. And so what they do is they start defending that leader. They start defending that ideal And it's amazing to me that we don't see that in America because we are extremely anti-communist. We're extremely anti-socialist. But for some reason, these two things have worked its way into the church. And I'm seeing it more and more. where We are relying on a man to come in and change everything. And we give up all our freedoms to the pursuit of his dream and his idea. 
and we give up our individualism for a collectiveness and we stop telling the truth to that person in leadership and it becomes a very scary, dangerous place where people are getting damaged and hurt more and more and more and more people are actually walking away from the faith than coming to it. This has been an overview of the 1940s into the late 1950s. I was only able to give a few connections, but please feel free to research more on your own. On the next part, we'll go through more of the context of America and how that was affecting Christianity and the steep downturn in the 1960s Christianity and in religion. Thank you for listening to the Unexplainable, Unpredictable Podcast Extravaganza.